Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Board of Border 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Wednesday here in the capital city. A, a gorgeous day outside. Hopefully, you've been able to uh, take advantage of that. And uh, certainly, uh, hopefully, you could take advantage of listening to me the next hour or so. Got a good show plan. Not that they're not all good to some respect. Uh, coming up at 3.30, we will do our Spider Insider, driven by Lux Chevrolet. And Ryan Cole will join us of the uh, Richmond Spiders, the offensive lineman. Uh, they've got a rather large game coming up this weekend. We've documented it as the week has gone along. Um, this is a really important game for several reasons for the Spiders. We're trying to get themselves into the FCS playoffs and are trying to win a championship in the CAA. Uh, we'll get to some bracketology in just a moment. Uh, we'll update you on where some of the bracketology has the Spiders entering this weekend. And uh, we will talk to Ryan uh, coming up at 3.30. Uh, just to kind of update you on the rest of the week, uh, at 3.05 or so tomorrow, uh, Marty Favret will join the show. Of course, it'll be his final Randolph-Macon-Hampton-Sydney game uh, coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, so he'll join us around 3.05 right at the top of the show. And then around 3.30 or so, we'll play my interview that I do tomorrow with Coach Kurt Zignetti of the undefeated JMU Dukes. Nothing from the NCAA with regards to uh, their appeal for a, a change uh, to the rules. I don't think my guess is I don't think anything's going to happen. And that's going to be disappointing. And we're going to have to talk about it. And we're going to have to crush the NCAA. But I admire them and the Sun Belt and everybody else continuing to appeal. But uh, I have a feeling that the NCAA, while they did bend the rules for Tez Walker, I don't think they're going to bend the rules for the for JMU, even though it will be a horrendous look for them. As every broadcast down the line the rest of the season will continue to point out the NCAA and their horrendous antiquated rules uh, that are affecting JMU, but we'll keep you posted on that. So Kurt Signetti and Marty Favret tomorrow, and then, of course, Tim Murray on Friday from VEASAN giving you his thoughts on the weekend. And uh, we'll find something else maybe on Friday to sprinkle in there. Uh, obviously, we have not done a lot of commanders on the show this week. They, you know, It's just weird because they won a nondescript game last week. They play at Seattle this week. I figure they're probably going to lose that game. Uh, but we may do some commanders on Friday, so that'll kind of set you up for the rest of the week. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. That is the text line for the show. 804 is the area code. Uh, if you want to get involved, uh, tweet us at MidMajorMatt, at ESPN Richmond, uh, the text line as well. Uh, college basketball last night, a late night of college basketball. None of the state schools were playing. There were two 8-10 games. LaSalle got the home win over Drexel, 67-61. UMass beat Albany, 92-71, so a nice start for the Minutemen. Tonight, a very nice opportunity for the Atlantic 10. Um, they are playing a tournament, a, kind of a one-off sort of thing in Chicago. And Loyola Chicago, who a lot of people like this year, they've retooled the roster. There's some veterans back, the Norris kid at point guard. Uh, they get a huge opportunity playing number 10 Florida Atlantic. That is at 7 o'clock tonight. I don't believe it's on TV, which is unfortunate. Uh, but a good opportunity. Look, as I said, and as I will continue to say for the next month, month and a half, whether you're in the ACC, the CAA, the MEAC, the SWAC, the Big South, the A-10, whatever, 
you need to root for your whole conference. You need everybody in the conference to pitch in, especially if you're a VCU fan and you're hoping for an at-large, which already your at-large uh, hopes took a hit. You need the conference to be as good as possible. So if you're sitting there with Spiders gear on, Rams gear on, UMass gear, whatever it is, you're all rooting for Loyola Chicago tonight because they need to get this win over number 10 Florida Atlantic, and that's going to be a solid start for the A-10 who pretty much you know did what they were supposed to for the most part on Monday, won their two games yesterday. There is a, th- a second game today. 8 o'clock tonight, St. Louis is playing Lincoln of Missouri. So, obviously, that is a team that's below them. They should win the game. But if you're the Atlantic 10, you need everybody doing their part, whether it is LaSalle, whether it's UMass, St. Joe, whatever. As I'm looking over, I just want to make sure, yes, every other A-10 team won their game on Monday, except for VCU. But none of them were earth-shattering wins. I would say the best win of all of them was, oh, God, there was really none. Never mind. There is no best win. But, yes, uh, large opportunity for the A-10 tonight as they can go and get themselves a nice quality win, get Loyola Chicago's net up, and all that good stuff. Uh, There's one ACC game tonight uh, on the ACC Network. It is Syracuse and Canisius. That's at 7 o'clock in the JMA Wireless Dome uh, in Syracuse. uh, The Orange are 1-0. Yesterday, there were no ACC games. Uh, So the ACC took the night off. And as far as I could tell... There are no state schools, uh, at least in the uh, Division One level, that are playing tonight. Uh, it's once again, it, you know, it's funny. I've seen some people kind of address this, and I think it was in a, it was either an around the horn topic or one of these things. What can we do to take care of this start to the college basketball season? And I'll say this: I have no problem with it. I have no problem with easing into the college basketball season. Now, the one thing that makes the men look bad. Already this week, we've had several large matchups involving the top 25 on the women's side. You've got Virginia Tech getting ready to play Iowa in a humongous game in women's college basketball. Good luck to uh, the, uh, the, to the Hokie women uh, in their game. It's a good opportunity for them to get a win. We've seen in women's college basketball, the top 25, the top 10, the top 5 have no problems playing each other. They have no problems playing each other. And it's so weird because unless it was scheduled for them, the men would never do it. You know, the Champions Classic is out there, and they have some of the better teams. These, you know, Maui Invitationals, these MTE tournaments. You know, these are where you get opportunities to see these great matchups. None of these top 25 schools would play anybody else if they could. And it's really disappointing. And certainly they would never leave home and play another top 25 school. Whereas in women's college basketball, which is rapidly improving as a product, you see that stuff the first day of the season. Colorado and uh, South Carolina? No, LSU, excuse me. Colorado and LSU played in the first night. It was a battle of top 25 teams, if I remember correctly. LSU lost that game. So I don't know what they can do. Obviously, there's no commissioner. There's no scheduling czar. There's nothing like that. It's really on the whims of the respective schools. But college basketball is fine with easing into the season because if you if you look like next week, there's some great matchups. There are some certainly some great opportunities, and then of course there's feast week and there's all this good stuff. And so like I'm not going to be mad that the first week of the season we've got a lot of teams playing you know Division two, II, Division three schools. Like I can't, I, I, you know, as I've said on this show, I'm getting older. I can only selectively be outraged over certain things when it comes to college basketball. The slow start to the season stinks for the sport itself, but, like, whatever. I think there's a lot of people who just aren't into college basketball yet and won't be into college basketball till December or January. 
tell you this. Last night I was watching Maction. I watched Maction instead of uh, Auburn and Baylor. I watched like five minutes of Auburn and Baylor. Good to see Jaden Nunn out there, the VCU transfer. Baylor looks good. Auburn, you know, Auburn obviously looked very good. Um, but I watched Maction last night. I'm more right now. What am I going to watch tonight? More Maction. There's more. Uh, there's three games tonight. There was three games last night. Um, certainly tomorrow, I'll probably watch Virginia and Louisville for a little bit until Virginia gets blown out. And I'm more in college football mode right now. That's not to say I don't love college basketball, but like I'm, I'm focused in on college football. And I think there's a lot of people like me who just – there's nothing you can do to get the common college basketball fan to watch early on this season. That's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen because football has such a hold on a lot of people – and, um, yeah, so that's what I, you know, that's, that's the unfortunate thing that college basketball has. It's the same issue that other sports have. You sit there and you say, well, you know, NASCAR's got some scheduling issues and things like that. Well, I mean, look, football, everybody can't fit around football. Every sport can't happen outside of college or pro football. So you've got to play your sport when it is and just hope people are paying attention. Uh, I don't know if you noticed yesterday, DePaul lost to F- Purdue-Fort Wayne. Their attendance numbers were actually in the tripled, as in, like, they had, like, 800 people at the game. DePaul, in Chicago, there was no weather. It was not like there was a snowstorm. There was no blizzard. There was no nothing. They had, uh, like, 811 people at that game last night. There's just a lot of co- uh, schools that are just – they're not into college basketball yet, and uh, that's just what happens. It's almost good for that reason to have a week first season, uh, first week, because then you can allow people to be like, oh, yeah, college basketball starting, and by the time they figure it out, game two is um, against somebody better. So, yeah, as I've gotten older, I can't, I've realized I can't be outraged over everything. So college basketball, the way the se- season starts, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Tonight's, uh, tonight's best game. I'm looking it up now to see what it is tonight. As I said, the Florida Atlantic Loyola Chicago game is great. Uh, Troy and Ohio is not bad at seven o'clock. Arizona State Mississippi State that's at nine thirty. But other than that, you got a pretty rough schedule tonight when it comes to the uh, to the college basketball. And we'll certainly get into that more as the as the week and the season goes along. But there's no state schools playing, and there's nothing really good in terms of a game to discuss, so we will certainly move on. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number, that is the text line, 804 is the area code. Let's take a time out. Coming up, the rumors involving the commanders, they're still kind of hovering out there. We'll tell you what those rumors are, give you my thoughts on that, and don't forget, we'll do the Spider Insider, driven by Lux Chevrolet. Ryan Cole will join us, part of that offensive line at 3.30. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Big Al doesn't care how the duck is prepped. I don't care if he eats raw duck. Or what anyone thinks. I don't care about what he thinks. But he does care about what you do from 8 to 10 weekday mornings. So spend that time with him on 1061 ESP. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here uh, taking up until 4 o'clock. Uh, we'll do some spider football talk coming up next segment with one of their heralded offensive linemen, Ryan Cole. 327-0888. That is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. And by the way, today is National Signing Day. I'm assuming for college basketball, I'm getting a lot of tweets saying, hey, welcome home for so-and-so. I would never know this sort of thing if I was not following Twitter. And I think there's a lot of fans because, once again, we're you know there's two signing days for college football and all this stuff. But, um, yes, today is National Signing Day uh, for college basketball. Um, 
I don't know. You check your respective teams and see what happens with regards to that. Also, I got a text. I'm presuming it's from Virginia Avenue, Bruce. And um, he told me that on Friday to give some love to the in-season tournament, which, by the way, if you're an NBA fan, last Friday was the start of the in-season tournament. And they're doing Tuesdays and Fridays in November. And just in case you noticed, they're also doing these hideous courts. Like, they're revamping all the basketball courts. And for the most part, they're a lot of color. I mean, the Sixers want – and there was one that's, like, obscenely red. Like, like bleed your eyes red on the screen. I don't know necessarily how it looks. I'll tell you this. Up front, I'm watching the Sixers game tonight, potentially. They're playing the Celtics. But I'm not letting myself fall for them once again. But it is a large game early on. It's in Philadelphia. I don't like watching games in Boston. Can't stand their fans. Can't stand the, the whole atmosphere. But it's in Philly tonight. So I might give it a shot. Um, there is a rumor that continues to be out there involving the Commanders. And the Commanders practice today. They're getting ready for the Seahawks. Uh, it is, uh, I'm looking up the line now. I mean, look, it's going to be a tough game for the Commanders. Heading out to Seattle. Six-point favorites. Total's around 45 and a half. It's a 425 start time. So that might mess up your uh, your uh, sleep schedule. Uh, if you're like me, usually you'll watch the 1 o'clock game and take the nap to the 4 o'clock game to like halftime, second half. You wake up, you watch the end of the second half, and then you're kind of refreshed and ready uh, for the rest of your Sunday night. So 425 for the Commanders. Uh, I have not seen an injury report yet with regards to who practiced, who did not practice for the Commanders, um, but they're getting set for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, John Kime says Jahan Dotson not at practice today. He'll be back on Thursday. Personal reasons. Curtis Samuel is going through drills, and the team has no helmets. So that's um, what is going on uh, out of Commander's practice today. Um, There was a thing that was getting started by Mike Florio, and Mike Florio didn't officially start this rumor, but he's the first person I heard. And he was talking about, and we kind of briefly touched on it, Bill Belichick um, potentially going to the Washington Commanders. Now, there were two scenarios involving Bill Belichick that he relayed to people that he had heard from other people. A, Bill Belichick was going to get fired midseason if this team kept going badly, and I don't see that happening. As if it because you know if it's going to go that badly, you might as well just keep going with it. You might as well just let the season finish out and then let him go at the end. Uh, or there was going to be the fact that they were going to at the end of the season uh, they were going to potentially trade Bill Belichick to the Commanders, and there is a chance that the Commanders may give up assets for Bill Belichick. And we've seen five trades involving coaches before. Belichick was traded from the Jets to New England. John Gruden was traded from the Raiders to the Buccaneers. Herm Edwards was traded from the Jets to the Chiefs. Mike Holmgren, the Packers to the Seahawks. And Bill Parcells to the Patriots and the Jets. So it's happened before. My thoughts on this are, I don't think Bill Belichick is the right guy if you are trying to, if you think Sam Howell is your answer, I don't think Bill Belichick's the right guy. Um, I like Bill Belichick, the head coach. I do not like Bill Belichick, the the general manager. Bill Belichick, the GM, has drafted horrendously the last couple seasons. There was that year he took like three fullbacks or three tight ends, and none of them ended up working out. And it's not like Bill Belichick has forgotten football. But if you're Josh Harris and you offer him the job, you have to lay down the line and be like, look, you are solely the coach. You can give your opinions on free agency and stuff like that. Like You can go and be involved in other aspects, but you cannot be the sole GM. 
It would almost be the one situation that would be worse than the current situation where the commanders don't really have a front office. This would literally be almost the worst thing possible is having Bill Belichick do it. There's a guy, and once again, this is me. This is my disclaimer for those of you who are just new to listening to the show. You are not on Twitter 24-7 like I am. I'm giving you merely somebody's tweet. I'm not saying that they're reputable. I'm not saying it's anything, but I also don't want to be somebody who doesn't tell you, and therefore um, you kind of get blindsided by it. So there's a guy named Greg Greer. So actually, I'm not even going to tell you this. He's got a he's got 130 followers. None of the people I've have uh, I follow follow him, and. He's a CBS Sports Football Insider, but I've never actually seen or heard of him before. So I'm actually not going to say this one. You, The last couple that I've read you tweet-wise have had some backing. People I follow follow them, which gives them somewhat legitimacy. I don't think this is it. So I'm not going to do this one. But if you want to look up what could be his tweet, his Twitter account is at Greg Greer CBS with two Gs on the end. I'm not going to tell you this one, though, because he only has 130 followers. And to me, unless you're late joining Twitter, 130 followers, like if you're giving me legit things, then you should have more followers. Even one of the NFL insiders who follows, who I follow should follow this guy. No one does. So I'm not even going to give you that one. But my thought is, look, Belichick is a good football coach as long as you don't have Bill Belichick, the GM's players. And as long as if you're going to do this trade in the offseason, you can't give up a lot of draft capital. This is a commander's team that got extra draft capital and does have an extra second and does have an extra third because of the Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young trades. But, like, I just, I'm not giving up uh, any sort of uh, capital here for a head coach when, as I've said all along, you have a potential head coach candidate in your um, staff currently in Eric Bieniemy. You heard when I had Kevin Sheehan on last week, he still doesn't think potentially that they're going to move Bieniemy over. I still maintain he does. This is me going down with the ship. That opinion could be like the Titanic. We could have hit our iceberg. It might be falling. But I'm going to stay on the ship and say one of the first interviews they do this offseason when Ron Rivera goes is with Eric Bieniemy, And I feel like he will be the favorite unless some sort of wild person comes out there in terms of like a football coach that you could not pass up. Because I think Josh Harris will offer us some money. I think Josh Harris will pay the right person and pay to get the right staff in place, but he has to find that right staff. He has to find that right head coach. And I think part of it is, I think as long as this offense keeps going and we see Sam Howell take steps, uh, I still think Eric Bieniemy is going to be the coach next year. That's just me. That's just me. And if you missed it yesterday, I proclaimed yesterday that I'm ready to say Sam Howell's the quarterback for next year. I'm not ready to say he's the franchise quarterback. I'm not ready to give him 10 years. But I'm ready to say that next year, the start, the, the, the Washington Commanders do not have to dedicate a top three-round draft pick. One of their, what, seven, uh, five draft picks in the top 50 picks? They don't have to dedicate any of those picks on a quarterback. I think Sam Howell is good enough to be the starter next year, and I'll still go on a year-to-year basis with him. I'm not ready to say he's a franchise quarterback. I'm not ready to say they, they need to go and draft somebody. They need to go trade up and get Caleb Williams or Drake May, anything like that. I think Sam Howell is fine. I almost think they need to go back to being more of a running team. You know, I understand if they spent this first part of the season overloading passes on him to kind of figure out if he's good enough. 
But I just I, I I'm ready for them to go back to being a you know sixty forty. You know, we documented they were like a 70-30, 75-25 pass um, type team. I'd like to see them get back to like – I know it's not going to be 50-50. Like, I understand that. But like 60-40 would almost be just as reasonable for the Washington Commanders. I don't think they're going to win this weekend. But if they do, it puts them in a very nice potential spot for one of those wild card spots because the Seahawks are ahead of them. You know, Seattle's a tough place to play. It always has been. It always will be. Um, but, you know, last week we saw Seattle get undressed by Baltimore. Geno's just not as good. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf has been in and out of the lineup. Tyler Lockett's been in and out of the lineup. You know, their defense is all right. Their secondary is pretty good. Um, it's not like these Seattle teams of the past with Legion of Boom and this great unit defensively. Like, that, that's just not the case. So if Washington goes in there, gets some solid defense, keeps this game in the, in the low tw- high teens, low 20s, I think they got a shot. I certainly think they do. We'll, we'll we'll get a little bit more into this game as the week goes along. More injury reports, get an idea on how uh, this roster is going to look on Sunday. But let's take a timeout. Coming up, uh, we'll talk a little spider football. A humongous game for the Spiders as they are home. They are in the mix for the first place for first place in the CAA. Ryan Cole will join us next part of that offensive line. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN at Joseph's here. This Spider Insider segment presented by our friends at Lux Chevrolet. Family owned and operated since 1916 online at LuxChevrolet.com. The Luck family will be out probably tailgating and getting ready for uh, this one coming up uh, on Saturday. Two o'clock kickoff out at Robbins Stadium. Large game for the Spiders, uh, potentially for the playoffs, for the winning of the CAA championship, all that good stuff. Uh, so it should be a good one coming up at 2 o'clock. Uh, joining us now, part of that offensive line, Ryan Cole. Ryan, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Doing well, Ryan. Um, obviously, this is a little late for a bye week uh, in the season. How refreshed do you feel? How good did it feel to finally get your bye week? Oh, it's nice. You know, I mean, we looked at it at the beginning of the season and uh, – you know, it did look a little late, but I think the way our season's played out, it's kind of nice how it ended up. So, um, yeah, I think it, I think it's been good for us. We just got to make sure we come back strong. We uh, get right back to where we left off. Do you have a time that you prefer it? Do you prefer it in the beginning, in the middle, or towards the end? Like, do you have a time that you prefer your bye week coming? Uh, I think it's hard to say. Definitely not in the beginning. You know, you want to wait as long as you can, I think. Um, now is nice just because of what happened. You know, we kind of – had a couple losses early on, and then we got on a, a streak, and uh, we kind we needed it at some point. So I think now has been good. Um, within like this week or a few weeks before this, any time when that range is good, I think. Uh, so obviously, the last couple of games, this offense has exploded. You scored forty four against Campbell. You scored forty two against Maine. Thirty three against North Carolina A and T. What do you think has been the catalyst for for this recent offensive explosion? Uh, I think we, you know, we did take a minute to come together as a group. Um, a lot of moving pieces, playing two different quarterbacks, you know, figuring out the wide receiver room, um, just injuries here and there, a, lo- a lot of different factors. And uh, once we kind of all sat down and, like, I think it was around week four, we, we started having meetings as a unit more than we were, and we said, look, this is not where we want to go with the offense. Um, and we just made a a bigger effort to change things around, and clearly it's paid off, so. 
you've you've seen a lot of different quarterbacks. It feels like for a season, go under center. Uh, do you have to change anything as it comes to the uh, being an offensive lineman when it's you've got a guy like Cam under center or a guy like Kyle under center? Uh, the mindset stays the same. You know, we want to protect them as well as we can. Um, the the only thing that you really see different is minor things like the cadence. Obviously, is a little different, but you kind of get used to it playing both of them. Um, you know who's in. You kind of know what they what each guy sounds like. So there's not too many differences. You know, we trust both of them, and they trust us to get our job done. Um, so the goal remains the same. Have you noticed a difference in Cam? Obviously, he was a freshman. Um, he probably didn't expect to play this season. Then he becomes a starter, and he goes over a bunch of weeks. Have you noticed a difference in maybe his confidence as the weeks have gone along? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think it's hard coming in as a true freshman and playing, and um, especially in a situation like he was just kind of thrown in. Uh, but I think definitely he stepped up as a leader, um, taking more command of the offense. Even today I noticed it when we were practicing – uh, going no huddle, hurry up. He was really taking command, making sure we were getting set. So, yeah, definitely. I think he's done a great job. I'm really proud of how far he's come. What's the key for you when you guys do go no huddle and you guys play with a little bit of tempo? Keeping your energy and, 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 and you know, not being, getting tired during one of these quick drives, what's the key for you to kind of maintaining your focus during something like this? Well, we work all off season, you know, to prepare for this conditioning-wise, and we know that if we can – get the defense on their heels and get them tired, we trust that we're in better shape uh, than they are. So this is something that we prepare for all, all year long. It's not just something you go into the season and start doing. Um, so I think it helps a lot that how much we train it and just knowing that, hey, we can put them on their heels uh, and they're going to feel worse about it than we are. We know our plays. We know what we're calling. So I think that's definitely important. Um, just talk about this this running game. Obviously, you guys have had a lot of success as of late throwing the ball. Um, but, you know, Savon, uh, Savon Smith with the two touchdowns last game and, and Fene Webb had a, a rushing touchdown. Um, just talk about where you think this run game is at right now. Yeah, we definitely started off slow. We weren't doing what we wanted to uh, up front. And it's just part of that coming together. You know, there, like I said, there was a lot of moving pieces on the offensive line. Um, but, you know, we, we came together as a group and figured it out, and I think – Savon, he trusts us more than ever. Uh, we really appreciate that from him. And, um, yeah, I mean, each game's going to be different. Each game plan is different, obviously. Uh, working with two quarterbacks, a lot of different stuff happens. So uh, it was good last week for sure to get a couple rushing touchdowns. We've definitely been looking for that. You know, I'm always I'm always fascinated by the conversation with regards to how you guys bond off the fi- off the field. Um, where does the offensive lineman go? Where, who's the guy who's cooking for you? Uh, you know, what do you guys do to to kind of bond off the field? Yeah, we got a little nil deal with Texas Roadhouse actually. So every Thursday, the offensive line goes to Texas Roadhouse. Uh, we pass out a bunch of free appetizer coupons at the beginning of the season to all the players and whoever we can get them out to in the area. Um, and so we go there every Thursday, get a nice steak dinner, and they take care of us. We got a little corner there with our jerseys and a neon sign on the wall, some pictures of us and stuff. So it's a cool deal. What's uh, what's your order? What's your go-to when you get when you get there? Uh, I mean, it used to be a fourteen-ounce ribeye, loaded mashed potatoes, and Caesar salad. That was my go-to. But I've been kind of switching it up two years in now. You know, the same thing every week gets a little old. So I've been I've been exploring the menu a little bit, but that's t- typically my go-to. What is your thoughts on the NIL stuff? Obviously, this is an opportunity that that wasn't there for a lot of people just a couple of years ago. What do you think about taking advantage of something like this? 
Uh, I think it's great, really. Um, it benefits definitely certain schools and certain position players more. Uh, it's it's definitely harder as an offensive lineman to get the deals that some of the you know big name players are getting, um, and then especially being at a smaller school like Richmond, it, we don't get as much of the attention. But uh, as a whole, for the opportunity, I think it's a really good thing. I think it's well deserved for players. Uh, Tom with Ryan Cole as the Spiders get set for Elon coming up on Saturday at two o'clock. Um, what have you seen so far on film? Uh, it should be an interesting game coming up against Elon. Yeah, they're definitely good. You know, we cannot take them lightly. We saw what they just did to Delaware, who uh, had no losses in the conference, and they knocked them off last week. So coming off a of bye week, we got to make sure that we're focused. We get back into what we were doing before the bye, and um, it's definitely a big game. It's the next game, and we're looking forward to it. How much were you guys paying attention to what was happening? Because obviously you went into the week in second place. Now you're in a, in a four-way tie for first. Yeah, we did. We're trying to stay focused on us. You know, we there's a lot of things that could happen right now, and everything's up in the air. So we don't want to look too far ahead. We just got to control what we can control, um, win the next two games, take it one game at a time, uh, and it's going to fall where it falls at that point. Are you the type of guy during your bye week you get away from football, you don't watch any college football, or do you give it an opportunity as something, you know, you could sit in your couch and just watch a bunch of games on Saturday? Uh, I think both. you got to kind of have a balance. So earlier in the week, definitely got away from football, took a couple of days off. The coaches gave us a, a nice schedule to get away. And then as you start to get towards the weekend and back into things, uh, I was definitely watching football over the weekend and um, getting back into the film room, getting ready for Elon so we could get a jump start since we have a couple extra days. So i got to ask you this. Obviously, the, the, the story in college football nowadays is this Michigan sign-stealing thing, and we're hearing a lot from like coaches and things like that. As an offensive lineman and a football player, what do you think of this sign-stealing thing? Do you think that there are people who attempt to steal your signs and things like that as you go along? How do you kind of conceal things a little bit? Uh, I mean, during the game, that is like a completely normal part of football, no matter where you go. Um, if you can pick up signs that you know the defensive coordinator is giving to their players and see, oh, here, here comes this blitz, here comes a twist in the game, that's normal. That's that's how it's going to happen, uh, especially with the lack of, you know, technology in college football. We don't have the plays coming through the helmet like they do in the NFL. Um, so that aspect is pretty normal. Uh, as far as recording at practices, stuff like that, there's obviously rules for that, and that's a completely different story. But I don't know all the details that have come out yet, whatever. It's kind of a sticky situation. But in games, it's completely normal. It happens everywhere, so. How much do you do you ever change up your signs in terms of like you know in the first half you're do you're using this and then maybe in the second half you're changing the signs up a little bit? Uh, a lot of it is if we think they're picking up on stuff, which we can change who's who's signaling the plays. You know, you have always have like a dummy signaler and a guy that's live, uh, so you can kind of switch who's who's the live guy, who's the dummy guy, and move them around in that sense. But for the most part, the signals don't change. Do you think it's stupid that the NCAA doesn't have the technology for you guys? I mean, the, the NCAA makes billions of dollars. You'd figure they'd be able to have that technology by now. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think there's no doubt about it. We should have it. It would be way easier for to eliminate this whole ordeal that's going on right now. So, for sure, there's definitely enough money to do it. I don't see why we don't. 2 o'clock uh, coming up on Saturday. Elon is the opponent for the Richmond Spiders. Our coverage begins at 1.30 here on 106.1 ESPN. Ryan, good luck this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
All righty. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, that is uh, Ryan Cole of the offensive line. And I remember, I think we talked to Ryan in the beginning of the season because I remember, or maybe it was one of his teammates because I remember hearing about the uh, Texas Roadhouse um, the Texas Roadhouse sponsorship that they have. That's not a bad place to go. Um, I, I do like some Texas Roadhouse, and um, I would definitely appreciate that. Although it is interesting that there's the one that is down the street from our office on um, – Midlothian Turnpike, or it's off Midlothian Turnpike, next to the mall. Did you know it's only open for fr- for lunch on Fridays, which I find rather interesting. And the only reason why I know that is because I have a lunch group, and we've gone several uh, a couple of times before we remembered that uh, it's only open for lunch on Fridays. But we've gone on different days, and it's been closed. It's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I love Texas Roadhouse, and look, it, it's it's a it's a huge game for the spiders. So we've been using he- HeroSports.com. Or at least I've been using it in terms of their their bracketology to see where they have Richmond. So here's the field. They have Albany as the seventh seed. So Albany would be the highest ranked team from the CAA and the auto bid. And then for the at-larges, they have Delaware, Villanova, and Elon as the 23rd team in. So basically the second-to-last team in. And then they have listed, and this is Sam Herter, Richmond is the fourth bubble team out at 28th. And the little blurb that they say here is Richmond could switch spots with Elon if it gets the head-to-head win this weekend. If Richmond wins versus Elon and at William & Mary, it will be 8-3 with a ranked win over Rhode Island. If the Spiders lose once, a 7-4 Richmond team does not look to have the resume that stacks up well against others. And you can kind of understand that. You can kind of understand that. It's it's so tough because you want to – you want to get, you know, obviously you play the games, so you want to win all the games that you have. But you also want to say, like, hey, Richmond at the beginning of the season wasn't what they are now. This Richmond Spiders team right here, this team is definitely a NCAA tournament-worthy team, an FCS tournament team. The problem was the team back then was certainly not. And you can't, you can get away with one bad loss. If it was Morgan State, you can get away with it. Having the home loss to Hampton, and not only the home loss to Hampton, but a bad home loss to Hampton, that is a little tough to overcome. And not to mention, and we've talked about it, and I can't keep ranting over this, as the you know the CAA offices are here in Richmond. I don't even know if they're listening to the show. But like bad job by the CAA setting up its top teams with the tough schedules to make sure that they could get themselves in if they need to after a rough non-conference. They gave Richmond a lot of the bottom feeder types in this conference, a lot of the bad teams, and now they need to win. And look, they it all lines up nicely. You get Elon, who just beat Delaware, and you get William & Mary, who unfortunately is, is tumbling backwards. Um, but the conference didn't really help them out very much. I'm looking at another website, collegesportsmadness.com. They don't even have Richmond in the first four out. They have William & Mary as the fourth team out. And they have... Albany, Delaware, and Villanova as the three spots. So they even have Elon in as well, which I think is rather interesting. So depending upon, and I don't even know if there's other bracketology that that gets done when it comes to this sort of thing. Uh, I see I'm looking on there. Hero Sports and this College Sports Madness are the only two that I pretty much see here. But um, Spires need to win. John O'Connor tweeted about an hour ago, Camp Coleman is expected to be available for the game after suffering a knee injury in the win over Campbell. And um, so that'll be good. Um, Josiah Williams is also going to return this week. He had a knee injury during uh, spring ball. That's huge. 
the Thomas Dale product is obviously one of the better wide receivers they've got. And, um, you know, it's nice to have all hands uh, available as much as possible. So the Spider offense should be pretty good. Can the Spider defense match up with Elon? Um, you know, their offense has been pretty good. They've got, if I remember correctly, they pretty much have a brand. Uh, they have a new quarterback. I think it's that Matthew Downing who was at NC State. That is their uh, new quarterback uh, that's been playing so far this season. So good luck to the Spiders. 1.30 is the start time for the coverage here on 106.1 ESPN for the 2 o'clock kickoff. We will have the Spider basketball game later on. It's an 8 o'clock tip, so that will be at 7.30. So they made sure to have plenty of time. That one's going to feature Sienna. So you'll have an opportunity to go to two, two, two games on uh, the Spider campus. Let's take a timeout. We'll do our final segment for a Wednesday. Get you set for tomorrow's show. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 106.1 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Final segment for today. Uh, Thursday night football tomorrow, by the way, is the Bears and the Panthers. I know. I, I sense your excitement, too. Bears, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, no Justin Fields. Tyson Badgent will be starting again for Chicago against Bryce Young for Carolina. That's Thursday Night Football. Now, this was the week that they were able to start, I think, flexing uh, some things when it comes to Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. Um, I think it's like week 15, 16, 17, maybe. They're allowed to start flexing Thursday Night games. The primetime games this weekend are Carolina-Chicago tomorrow. Sunday night football is the Jets and, and Las Vegas. And Monday night football is Buffalo and Denver. I mean, look, we're, we are unfortunately sheep when it comes to the NFL. We watch the Combine. We watch the NFL Draft. We watch preseason football. I don't watch as much preseason football. Well, there's a lot of people who do. Unfortunately, the NFL logo comes on. We're like, ooh. But this is pushing it a little bit. Now, granted, look, a lot of this slate this weekend, it's not good. Dallas is a 16-and-a-half point favorite against the Giants. Now, the Giants did announce that Tommy DeVito is starting. But the, 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 the Cowboys are 16-and-a-half point favorites. Other games this weekend include, you know, Pittsburgh and Green Bay. If you strip the names away, that's a terrible game. Green Bay's not very good. Pittsburgh's not very good. Um, Indianapolis and New England are going to Germany. Like, if you ask those two fan bases, I think they wouldn't mind if those two teams stayed in Germany and, like, never came back and you had an opportunity to get somebody new. Uh, Atlanta and Arizona? Yeah, Kyler Murray's coming back. That's great. Um, but there's a lot of bad games in the NFL. Next week, though, Baltimore and Cincinnati on Thursday night. Denver and Minnesota on Sunday night. Philadelphia and Kansas City on Monday night. So that's really good. Here's the thing that you have to warn, debate about if you're if you're the NFL. First off, it's really hard to give up your great games for Thursday. You know, you look at the Thursday slate and you're trying to decide, like, you know, let's say you take that Kansas City-Philadelphia game. You're not going to play it on a Thursday night. You're not going to have both teams short weeks, even though they're coming off of the same bye week. Both Kansas City and Philadelphia have a bye this weekend. But you're not going to take your better games and put them on Thursday night. And if you're openly thinking that, then why even have a Thursday night game? You're still going to get ratings for the Bears and the Panthers. People are still going to tune in because people will gamble on the game. People will have fantasy implications, although I don't know who the heck you're starting in this game. 
if you're starting in Bryce Young, you're you're in like a 20-team league with two quarterbacks or whatever it is. So people will watch. I'm not going to sit here and say nobody's going to watch this game. But you're pushing the limits of NFL fans basically saying, well, we're going to watch. Al Michaels is doing the game. Al Michaels has not been what Al Michaels has been. Kirk Herbstreit, I still think he's great in college football. He's very analytical. He's got a lot of great analysis. But it doesn't. He doesn't have the same fire for college football, uh, for NFL that he has for college football. It's just. It, I feel like it's just another job for him. It, he, you know, he gets paid for it. He does his job, and he just doesn't put any extra into it. You put all that together, and you get a bad game, and you're like, "Why am I watching?" As I said, tomorrow I'll probably be watching at least part of the Virginia Louisville game until it gets ugly, and then I'll go watch. I think there's another college football game. Oh, there's Sun Belt. There's a Sun Belt game tomorrow. I'll probably end up watching that. But the NFL's just, you know, they're teetering. It's a little dangerous game that they're playing with by putting these Thursday night games on and basically having them be terrible. And if you're going to openly admit they're terrible for the most part, why even have a Thursday night game? You don't need to. Um, so that's what's going on there. The Commanders just released their injury report. It's about as good as you can get. Jonathan Allen did not practice rest. Kendall Fuller did not practice rest. Jahan Dotson did not practice personal uh, Curtis Samuel limited with the toe. Emmanuel Forbes Jr. full with the Achilles. That's it. So you've got a commander's team that is as healthy as you can be, almost, in terms of week 10 of the NFL season. That's one of the things that will help them out when it comes to this sort of thing is just staying as healthy as they possibly can. By the way, on BetMGM, they are one of the top three teams that people are betting on most to make the playoffs. 